Good morning. It's good to have you here. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take the connection card. It's in your program. And if you could fill that out, that'd be fantastic. I'd like everyone to fill it out. If you're a guest, we're especially glad you're here, and we'd like you to fill out as much of that card as you're comfortable filling out. And we also have a gift for you straight through those double doors out in the lobby. Uh, there's a little table with a gift um, uh, of a little booklet that we'd like for you to have. And if you're a regular, your name and email is enough on that card. But we'll give you an opportunity, I will give you an opportunity at the end of the message uh, to respond uh, to what we're looking at in the scripture this morning. And Alex has some things to mention that are coming up you could sign up for on the back of that card as well. But if you'd drop that in the offering later on, that'd be great. We are fishing for life this summer. We're in the middle, actually, toward the beginning of a series where we're looking at what Jesus wants us to do, what he wants his followers to do. We're talking about our core purpose uh, for existing here on this earth that we orient our lives around. We say that sharing Christ with others, helping others come to know God and connecting with him, helping them come into his kingdom is the centerpiece of what we're all about in church life here at CIV. It is, you know, the centerpiece is not something, it's not food, it's not something you eat, but you orient the table around it. It's in the middle, all the plates and things. I'm not really into home decor, but that's, that's what happens with the centerpiece. So that's, that's what we do here at Church of Valley. We orient what we do around this core purpose that Jesus has given us, and he wants us to do the same individually, to orient our lives around it. The first four guys that you find Jesus calling to follow him were fishermen. And so this is the way he put it. In Matthew 4.19, we looked at Mark. Mark said the same thing. Uh, but Matthew says, come follow me, Jesus said to these guys, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus is saying that if you follow me, I will lead you to turn inside out to start caring about the people around you, to start building bridges relationally for them to hear the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is. I am going to lead you to fish. And the way it is with these analogies, you can't push them too far. Because he doesn't, he doesn't literally mean that you, you know, get, get some bait and you hook people and drag them against their will into the boat. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because if, if, if you push the analogy, we're the bait if you push the analogy too far. <laughs> Nobody wants to be fish bait. I mean, honestly, do you want to be fish bait? I, I don't want to be fish bait. But what he's saying is you're going to be involved in uh, helping other people connect with God who are lost to him. That's, that's the purpose which we orient our lives around. And I'm, I'm an extreme introvert by nature. Uh, I actually tested, the last time I took it, a little more toward the center because of what I do. I've had to learn to be nice to people and talk and be friendly and all that kind of stuff. But, but I, I'm, I'm extremely introverted. And um, 
the, uh, at about 19, it gripped me that I just can't live my life and not help people come to know Christ. And so I was going to figure out how to cooperate with him to do that. And that's what Jesus does. If you decide to follow him, he's not going to leave you alone in the sense that you can't just live your nice little life separated from everybody else and enjoy all the benefits that God has for you and all the blessings that he pours out for you. He turns your heart inside out to be concerned about those who don't know him. To be concerned about those who don't experience the same kind of friendship with God that he's made available to you. So that's what we do. We fish. We fish. We looked last week at at the reasons Jesus' followers fish. First of all, finding those lost to God is on Jesus' heart, and it's on God's heart. Jesus told three stories in Luke 15. He made it very clear in Luke 19. We looked at that. Secondly, our message isn't intuitive. People don't figure it out on their own. What makes sense to people is, I've got to be good enough. If I'm good enough, then God will accept me. So I'm going to work on being good enough. That's what's intuitive. But salvation, you find in Scripture, is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. And so we have to share that. We have to explain how it's not our works, it's God's grace that, that brings us into uh, a, a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and makes us right with God. So right after Jesus called these guys to fish, we looked at Mark last, last week, talked a little bit about that. The same story is told in, in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. In, in Matthew, he, he calls these guys to, to fish to become fishers of men. And then he, as the crowds begin to gather, he goes about doing his ministry toward the beginning of his three years of ministry on earth. And the crowds begin gathering, they gather, and then he delivers a message. He delivers a sermon, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is this call that we just looked at um, to be fishers of men is followed immediately in Matthew by this message, this sermon. And in, in the sermon, he, destri- he describes the character and the attitudes of his followers and how they're going to handle life. And so, in this sermon, Jesus gives his followers a clear picture of the influence they're to have in the world. What they're to be like, what their attitudes are, how they handle life, how they live, and how that's intended to influence the world around you. This has always been on God's heart. He doesn't just call people to know Him and relate to Him and then keep them to themselves. His goal has always been for people to, to connect with Him, to change, to grow, to be different. And the, the rest of the world sees that and is drawn to Him as well. But, but Jesus gives two analogies to make His point of how we're to influence the world in this Sermon on the Mount. First, he says that his followers are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out 
and trampled by men. What he's saying is if we aren't fulfilling our purpose as followers of Christ, life is is not salty. It's not worth anything. We're not making ourselves useful. You ever hear the phrase, you know, well, older men, I've heard this a lot. You know, hey, don't just stand around. Make yourself useful. Well, this is how you make yourself useful. You become salty. <laughs> you, 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 you live for the purpose that Jesus has called us to. Um, the purpose of salt is to add flavor. That's what we use it for. It, it also has a side effect of making people thirsty. So wherever we are, we should add flavor to that situation, to that circumstance. If we're in the family, if we're at work, in the neighborhood, just relating to friends, whatever it is, we should add flavor. Aim to be dependable, resourceful, enjoyable. Make it fun. That's how you add flavor. That's what Jesus intends. Show how faith in Jesus helps in the way that you live. Our, our lives should actually create thirst for people to know more about Jesus as they watch us. Someone who is real and lives out their faith in Christ does this. They make people thirsty. They add flavor. If, if you aren't salty, life is bland. It doesn't taste near as good as, as it does with the salt. Be intentional about living life God's way. Another thing about salt that does no good in the salt shaker, sitting on the table. It, it, in order to add flavor, it has to be mixed in to whatever you're flavoring. And that's another point that Jesus is making. We're, we're to rub shoulders with those who don't know him. Just can't go in our holy little huddle of Christians and who probably maybe aren't that holy. <laughs> but at least we can act like it. We just hang out with our little group. You know, no, Jesus wants us to mix it in, to mix it up, to get with people who don't know him. And so we need to be intentional about finding places to relate to those who don't know Christ yet. Jesus' second analogy, analogy here in, in this sermon is that we are the light of the world. Matthew 5.14, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, what does light do? We know what salt does. Salt adds flavor. It, it actually preserves also. It was used in those days. It didn't have frigidaires or, or uh, refrigerators, so it was used to prevent decay. But uh, light is used to illuminate things. To shed light on something means to see it as it really is, to expose what's really there. And that's a role that we play in the world as followers of Christ. Light also draws people to it. You know, you're driving down a, a dark road at night and you see a light, kind of a bunch of lights off in the distance. It draws curiosity. You're thinking, hey, what's going on over there? I wonder what's happening. And, you know, if you had the time, you might go check it out. Same with searchlights, you know. When there's a grand opening of a store or some bigs going on, there's searchlights in the sky. They, they sort of draw you to them to find, hey, something's happening over there. And that, that's, that's our role in the world as, as well. <clears throat> Jesus says, 
it's crazy to light a lamp and put a bowl over it and cover it up. You just don't do that. You, you let the light shine. You let the light accomplish its purpose, what it's there for. Light under a bowl doesn't accomplish anything. And so one of the things we need to be doing as followers of Christ is just identifying with him, letting people know that I'm a follower of Christ. Um, as you're mixed in with different groups of people, those who don't know Christ, just let them know that you follow him. Don't, don't have to shout this out. Don't have to make a big deal out of it, but just casually let people know uh, that, hey, hey, what would you do over the weekend? Well, you know, I went surfing. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I went. Then somebody asked you, well, what would you do? Well, I went to the movie Saturday night and then got up and went to church on Sunday. Just kind of give them a framework. This gives people a framework to sort of begin to think about um, who you are, and they watch your words and actions then. And it's also scary. Sometimes we don't identify because we don't want people to know that we're a believer. Actually, a part of the armor that's our protection as followers of Christ is it's described as the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Our shoes in the armor are, is the gospel of peace. And so as we're identifying with people, trying to share Christ with others around us, there's a protection in that because it, it sort of holds us accountable in a way and, and allows the protection of the armor. But we are lamps that God scatters throughout this area to be light of what it's like to know him and to follow him. That's what Jesus is saying. We're, we're intended to be lamps that God puts in different parts of the world. That's what his followers are, to help others connect with him. The way we live, therefore, must re- reinforce the message that we're sharing and draw others to praise God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We're reflective light, like the light of the moon. The moon is reflecting the light of the sun. And that's what we are. We're, we're reflective light. We're um, reflecting the light of who God is and showing others the change that he makes in the life of those who follow him. Um, before we look for the ways Jesus outlines to reinforce the message this morning, I, I'd like to cover some negative connotations of these two things. Because what we're talking about is how do we build a bridge in our friendships to help others to hear the message of the gospel? That's, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. That's what he wants us to do as followers. And... There are some negative connotations of salt and light, like you don't put salt in a wound. So when you're relating to people, sometimes we feel very good about ourselves as Christians and we're, you know, we've learned something and, and they're hurting. And as they're hurting and going through some real struggles, we decide to teach them or instruct them in a better way. It's not the time. There's a timing to this. Don't, don't be salt in the wound. That hurts. You ever put salt in a wound or accidentally got it on a cut in your finger? Ah, it hurts. No fun. Uh, we need to speak graciously to others 
about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, too much salt leaves a bad taste. It, it creates high blood pressure. So we, we need to realize this. And uh, light in the eyes hurts. Glare hurts from the light. Uh, you see spots from the flash on the camera. <laughs> you know, yeah. causes problems. So, so we need to consider as we share... One, one reason people are resistive to the gospel is because of the Christians they've known who have taken the scripture and just pounded them with it. So we, we need to relate in a way that builds trust. And uh, Colossians 4 says, we're to, our, our conversation should be seasoned with salt. And, and so we need to consider this as we live our lives. We don't want to, to frustrate the people around us, and to throw up an unnecessary barrier to them coming to know Christ. Um, be real. Don't try to be more or less than you are, and let God change you. And, and this will be salt and light to the people around you. Now, Jesus goes through, in this Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount, he goes through some, there's, it's amazing that the, the insight that he gives in this sermon, one sermon, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. And I'd like to highlight some of the things that he says in in 5 and 6 that make us salt and light, because he begins to describe how we make a difference. First of all, we deal with anger. We don't just let it sit there, but we deal with it. Anger is common. It normally comes from blocked goals. Somebody's not doing what you want. They're not cooperating with you to help you get what you want. And you get lit. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21 through 26, he talks about how the temptation is to be angry and then to start calling the people around us names. But the, the real problem is that we're, we're angry and we're putting ourselves above the people around us and we're calling them fools, we're, we're condemning them, we're, we're all over them. If you take anger and, and you deal with it rightly, you begin to set a pace. He also says in that passage, when you mess up and you don't deal with anger rightly, get it straightened out. Go to the person and say, hey, that was, boy, I blew up. I said that. That was hurtful. The Lord's convicted me of that. Will you forgive me? If you do that, if you just admit you're wrong, then that is, that is salt. That is light. That is so different. It adds flavor. Hey, somebody admitted they messed up. Somebody, somebody took responsibility. That is so different than what normally happens as people are covering themselves in, in the way they live their life. You know, Christians mess up. The difference is we make it right when we mess up. We get it straightened out. We make it right. Stick to your commitments is another thing he says, Matthew 5, 27 through 37. If you want to add flavor to a situation, do what you promise. Do what you're going to say you're going to do. Follow through on your commitments. Jesus in this section talks about marriage. You can set a tremendous example if you're married by staying married and making the marriage good. You do everything you can to keep it together. There are two people involved in the situation. But you, on your part, you do everything you can 
to make it good and to make it right. Love your enemies. There's a whopper. That's different. I think that's pretty salty. That's light. If we can love our enemies, Jesus' followers leave revenge to God. Actually, vengeance is an area where uh, it's reserved in the Scripture. It's God's territory. We're not to take revenge on the people around us. We're to leave that to God and continue to show kindness to the people around us. Boy, that's different. I mean, if... To love your enemies? How do you how do you pull that off? Well, by the grace of God, you do it. Don't be a religious fake. It's another thing Jesus says. Matthew 6, 1 through 8. Don't just go through the motions of religion to try to look pious and righteous before the other people. Don't be a fake. That is that is probably the number one reason non Christ followers don't want to check it out because they see people being hypocrites. Well, here's the secret about hypocrites. Hypocrites are those who pretend to have it all together. So don't. Don't pretend. I mean, honestly, Christians, Christ followers, are only people who are being changed. We haven't been changed yet. That happens the day you die. We quit struggling with sin and problems and things the day we die. But we honestly walk with God. We get to know Him. We let Him, His Word, the Scripture, sink into our heart, and then we practice living it out. It takes practice. We mess up. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a fake. Be honest. I'm working on this stuff. These are the changes that Jesus is making in me. It's not the stuff that I'm over and and done with, but it's changes that he's making. So just don't be a fake. Admit your faults as you struggle to change. And that's your credibility is going to go way up because everybody around you sees your faults. Everybody around me sees my own. And so when I admit my faults, boy, poof, Credibility goes up. They're like, yeah, that's right. You are something else. They get that. Refuse to let money master you. This is another thing Jesus says, Matthew six nineteen through 24. Don't let money master you. Money and the pursuit of money consumes most of the people in our world. How different is it when people have an appropriate level of distance from money? It doesn't master them, but they use their money to advance a cause that is totally worthwhile. The kingdom of God. Refuse to let money master you. And then finally, don't worry. We're going to worry. But when you worry, trust God. Set your heart on the purpose. Jesus says in, in Matthew six twenty five through 33 the way to deal with worry is get your eyes off of what you're not going to get out of a situation and focus on the purpose that God has for you in it. And then you're not, you're not so worried about how it's going to turn out. You're just making yourself available to God to be used for his purpose. That's different. Most people are worried and fretting about, what am I going to get? How is this going to turn out? Is this going to be okay? Am I still going to have my job tomorrow? And, and that's, that's the way it is. That's what we deal with. I deal with worry. You deal with worry. But as you turn your focus to what God wants to accomplish in and through the situation, you can trust Him. 
Because he's, he's going to make it happen, whatever he wants. He is, he is going to make that happen. So these are some of the changes. That's the highlight reel of some of the changes God will make in you and the things that he will build in you as you walk with Christ, as you set your heart to follow him. In Jesus' day, lamps, we, we have light switches. We just turn on the lights. We're used to that. We go to the lamp. We hit a little button. It comes on. In Jesus' day, lamps had oil. They needed oil, and you had to keep trimming the wick. And we need that as well as believers. If we're going to be the lamps, if we're going to be the lights, we need, we need to keep getting filled up and trimmed back in order to shine. For me, that happens, and for, for everyone that walks with the Lord, that happens in the context of a daily time where you get into the Scripture and you pray and you ask God to change you. And he gives you perspective. He begins to shape the way you think as you get into just a little paragraph of Scripture a day. You have a plan for getting into the Bible and letting God begin to change your heart and begin to soak it in and try to live that out. He, he fills you up and trims back the wick. And then you can shine. We need that time. We, we need to get with him. That's the number one thing you can do to be prepared be useful for God's purposes. Spend time with him in the scripture and in prayer every day. Uh, let God change you in that and then live the changes. You'll be salt and light. You'll be different to the people around you. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few minutes. Uh, I'd like to thank you folks, the, the regulars, for your generous giving. That's basically how we do the ministry that we do here at CIV. Uh, before we move on in the service, I'd like you to take the time to think through some next steps that you could possibly take as a result of what we looked at this morning. Um, this week, I will, you could memorize uh, Matthew 5.13 or Matthew 5.16 or both. If you want to get ambitious, you could do both. But you could circle one of those you want to memorize, um, the salt of the earth, the delight of the world. Uh, secondly, be intentional about spending time with those who aren't following Christ. Find a place to meet people or pay attention to what God, the people that God has put around you at work, in your neighborhood, in your family that don't know him. What are some opportunities that you have to identify with Christ, to share what Jesus has done for you, to be a testimony, to be a salt, be salt and light? So get intentional about that. That's, that's one thing I want to do. Uh, third, humble myself and straighten out a mess I've made. That's another thing you could do. If you've made a mess of something this, this week or recently, humble yourself, straighten it out. That's different. That's salt. That adds flavor. It's so refreshing when you admit that you've messed up to the people around you. And then finally, you could choose one section of Jesus' sermon that I outlined there. And apply it to your life. Just read that section. Maybe God kind of got your attention as I walk through those and you want to go back and look. What did Jesus say about that? About anger or uh, falling through on your commitments or not being a religious fake. Look at those and then soak it in. Let's uh, pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up while I pray. Father, we thank you for the truth we find in, in your word. <clears throat> thank you for taking us and giving us purpose in life. Thank you for changing us.
your patience, your kindness, your forbearance. God, you just you you are very patient. And so, God, I thank you for the way that you work with us, the way that you're helping us become uh, more like you, so that we could reflect your light to the world. And I pray for the power to do this as we set out to follow you, God. We ask for your help in this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.